talk this afternoon is on dharma in the daily life situation. This concept dharma is a, a word which in which speaks of or refers to a life in which we live with a full awareness in life and that means an awareness which is both open to ourselves, our, our humanity as people, as individuals on the one side and also an approach to life which emphasizes a full and open relationship to life and Dharma is as a message of peace, brings a message of wisdom and love and compassion and meditation towards that fullness of openness in, in life, in our participation in life and through that we come to an intuitive understanding of life, the reality of life and the essential nature of life. So, in, cons in uh, under that consider consideration, the question which is important and primal is how are we as individuals going to live with a full and open relationship to ourselves and life? What what do we need? to consider what, if any, changes in our life we need to bring about. And so often, particularly where we experience certain problems and difficulties, we see that these are the effects of situations effects of how we are, our mental makeup and our interaction with the world around. And unfortunately there is no simple cause for the effect of mind states. If there were, we would simply change that cause and the effect the problematic mind state would, would stop, would finish. And therefore the effect in terms of a problem um, is brought about by complex factors. And the complex factors <coughs> mean there's a necessity for us to, to be aware of. So when we are or have experienced a particular problem or difficulty which hinders this full and open relationship then we must learn, endeavour to learn to see what, what sort of factors have brought it about therefore what sort of changes do I need to make in, in order to come out of the problem 
which hinder this fullness of participation in life. So Dharma is the way of a full and open relationship to life and therefore gives serious consideration to those mental elements which hinder that participation. Now in looking in looking and looking at that, there are for some, and that is for some people, here there is a growing awareness that certain areas in one's life are or have been neglected and as a result one particular type of problem, troublesome mind has and is repeating itself. Which means therefore that one has to give special care and attention if one has this awareness that there is one sort of mind state which one is prone to. In other words, one simply can't afford to ignore it. And that for a number of people in this situation here, um, that must take a certain priority. What sort of conditions, what sort of attitude, what sort of relationship to life is one nurturing that reproduces again and again the same mind state? This, this one must see. One must, and in that seeing, one takes a certain interest in, one is willing to to learn about, one is willing to learn from, Once one ob observes it in its mo movement and in its motion and in its activity. And then for others, rather than being one specific, it, it's more that at varying times certain difficulties arise in our relationship to life and again in, to, in our relationship to life this development with regard to experiences of a learning attitude in life really is of great help and assistance. No matter what the problem is, no matter what one is confronted with in, in life and we are all confronted without exception with problems we're all, we're all confronted with issues which are, are a challenge to our well-being, to our future, to our present, to our life. And in any of those situations, no matter how great or how small it, they may be, to develop a learning attitude towards whatever takes place. This is really a primary thing, right through to the very day of our death. And, and if one can learn to approach, approach these difficult situations with, with, with such, such a mind, then they're, they're gradually there undergoes a transmutation of our very relationship to our difficulties. And we actually, 
engage in an open relationship to our own troublesome mind states. And that is a great leap forward for a human being. That's a, that, 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 that step is of great significance. That in our own troublesome mind, mind states, we have, we, we, we have, as it were, behind it or beyond, beyond it, this willingness to learn from this which I am experiencing. You see, all too often, when when we do experience difficulties in our daily life situation, there is one kind of mind which tends to be at work. And it's the mind which wants to be the master of the situation. We want to master our mind. We want to make our mind, and others of course, subservient to our whims, to our, to our, to our will. We want to be the master of the situation, or the controller of the situation. And, and to have the awareness and that learning attitude to see and recognize for ourselves that life just isn't like that. There is no master. You can't master, master the, the mind. And, to, and, and therefore an open relationship is freeing, freeing oneself from this striving and struggle to master ourselves and, and rather to and take an alternative strategy of the willingness to learn, to really learn from our experiences. And when that is cultivated, it gives a great deal of strength inside of oneself. It gives a it gives a a, a, vi a vigor and and a vitality when one is confronted with something which which is moving and shaking the mind. And that strength of learning, that genuine inner learning, is one in which we treat the small situations as a learning experience as much as the greater ones. And every situation falls into the area of learning. Now sometimes the movement of the mind, we, we, and through because of a certain subtlety and sensitivity in life, we may, so to, so to speak, remove ourselves from aggression. We might look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not a, I am not an, an aggressive person. But, aggression shows itself in its more refined forms. Shows itself in our tendency to be bossy and manipulative and, and domineering and overshadowing other or others. Um, to make others ob obedient to one's will, wh whatever it may be. And in that, so often there is a certain aggressiveness which is, which is taking place. But, however, in looking, in looking at that and looking at aggressiveness, it doesn't always mean to say that aggression is, is bad, is, is wrong, is something to be, to be negated. And so sometimes, in a, in a certain situation, there is a certain, what we might describe as a certain forcefulness in our necessary for us. A, a certain aggressiveness is necessary, but having the wisdom and the clarity to see when and where and in what way it is appropriate. And sometimes it may be the first sign or steps towards genuine in inner change, a deepening of inner change, is, is, 
is when we marshal our energy and say, right, I'm going to do something about this. There's a, there's a certain aggression, there's a certain forcefulness there. In some cases, it is necessary, particularly with people, and there are quite a lot of these people I notice in Dharma, in practice, who are, I feel, much too timid in life. They're very timid in their relationship to themselves. They're, they're some people are timid in their relationship to other people. And this, this timidity brings dependency and, and submissiveness. And, and that is not an open relationship to life. It's, it, it's, it's a, a failing of the mind. It's a, a weakness of the mind. Often from grounded in fear, um, um, grounded in feeling helpless, feeling vulnerable, not wanting to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever. And this timidity must be looked at. It must be given a great deal of care and attention. And sometimes the initial response to timidity, when one sees that one has been living in this way, is the energy starts to move and it shows itself as a form of aggression. But th th I feel that aggression may be, in, in such circumstances, a valuable experience because the mind is coming out of this old, timid, timid attitude towards life, towards oneself and towards other people. And so, and again, another person may all too often simply be aggressive. And this, this aggressive attitude, which is um, bossy and arrogant and, and conceited and um, judgmental and picking on, on another again and again, that kind of energy, a person to look at that and, and see where that is coming from and, and take some of the power out of that and develop a little bit of humility in life develop a little awareness in life that the world isn't made for oneself and that other people are not made to fit one's own wishes. So in those, very, those areas, whether it's timidity on the one side and aggressiveness on the other side, and how often these two form relationships, both, again, need to be, there needs to be some greater awareness in, in these. We look and, and to see to see for ourselves. Then, then too, in this our our re relationship to life, of course, it includes our relationship with regard to our environment, to learn learning to live a life. And this is a great a great virtue in this world. It is learning to live a life in which we can genuinely learn to be content with little. This is real, 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 really, a, 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 I would say, a mark um, of, of a developed human being, is one who, who can genuinely be, feel content with having little in life. And, and that appreciation comes in, in when sometimes when we see something which we which we want and which we're attracted towards, and we, si we simply see the attraction. We simply see that movement and we learn to let it go. And it's not that one becomes a great ascetic or a 
renunciate, nor of course makes a big deal about it, but in just in small, small things which the mind goes towards and sees, well, it's not, this isn't really necessary. And, and this learning to be content with little. And that learning to be content with little brings its own contentment. When you feel, when you have that, develop that sense, and also that applies not only with material things in the world, it applies of course very much with money, it applies with, to accommodation and where one is living, it, it uh, applies to one, the environment in which one is living in. All, 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 all of that, when we, when we have a certain contentment with what is, that very contentment contributes enormously to our inner development, contributes a great deal to inner, the inner life and meditation with regard to the inner life. And of course, once you do that, as was said in one of the talks, one is going against the mainstream. Because the mainstream of thinking is being, is discontent with little. So that's, that's again another area, and all of these areas in our own daily life situation are areas which are worthy of, worthy of reflection. And reflection in life is very important. And again, I've noticed with quite a few friends, how that this often is really, uh, really overlooked. And the person might be doing a little meditation in the morning and the evening, or whatever, but some reflection um, on, one's, on one's life and on one's position, on what one is doing in life and on the actuality of life, is often, I've noticed, quite neglected by people. And, and again, finding some time in the course of one's day, it may be through sitting, it may be being alone, or going for a walk, or whatever, and just, just taking some actuality of life, of existence, and giving a little reflection to it. Like we mentioned this morning in the question and answer period about impermanence, giving some reflection to that, or, 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 or to, to death, or to uh, an issue, or a problem, which may not be yours, may be concerning somebody else, somebody that you hardly know. You know, so really one may think about someone that one is very close to, and, and therefore one feels concerned about their welfare, they're having a hard time, having a problem, and one thinks about it. But how often do we really give care and attention in our reflection to someone that we have a kind of casual acquaintance with, who's obviously having a hard time, and think, well, what, what can I do? What, what, what way can I contribute to that person's welfare? And all too often, isn't it? Our mind is so caught up in chattering and, uh, and vested personal self-interest, we don't allow ourselves little time just to reflect about somebody that, that we happen to know that we might, might well be neglecting. And if one looks at, looks at that, I mean, that some of these difficulties, whether they are personal, and, and whether they show themselves as timidity or, or aggression, whether they show themselves as a particular problem, or whether so it's somebody else's, one can't help but notice again and again that a basic evil, if one may use such a word in our society, is this lack of affection. 
Is this lack of warmth? Is this lack of interest and care and attention either to oneself or, or to others? And the very lack of that, in many ways, is one of the seeds which is sown towards people's personal difficulties and, and problems. And, and, and one notices again and again, and I'm sure you must have noticed, that if someone, if you're having a hard time, and, and then someone takes a, an interest in you, and, and, and feels an element of concern, and you can talk about this, whatever it is, together, how helpful it is. Not that the person may provide any marvellous insights, or uh, quick solutions, or whatever, but the very generating of warmth and affection and interest itself alone is healing. And sometimes when it's accompanied with a certain wisdom and detachment and clarity with regard to the situation, it can be very beneficial for the person. So reflection concerns our welfare, it concerns the welfare of those individuals who are very close to us, and it also concerns those who are not so close to us, who we happen to know. And we all know people, every last one of us. There are other, other, area, other areas too, with regard to this, the, the, daily, the daily life situation. One, one of these areas, an important area, is the whole area of, of meditation. And so one might say that one's life, looking at it in a full and open way, is concerned with the outer life, and it's also concerned with the, with the inner life. And the outer life is one which is open, which is concerned and interested in the welfare of, welfare of others. And that may show itself specifically on the person-to-person, -person. it may show itself in terms of social, social action, it may show itself in in, in many small and incidental ways of expression. And again, it is quite notice, noticeable how easy it happens that when one is dealing with various people and having contact with them, how easy it is in our outer relationship to become negligent of those who need support or need care or, or, or need affection. And it sometimes happens, we live in a, some of us live, live, live in a community, and we have, and visitors come, and quite a few visitors come, and it is quite obvious that some, at times some of these visitors are neglected. That the care and the, and the interest, it, sometimes it just happens that it, it, it's almost collective. So if somebody comes and doesn't feel very happy or, can, or at home in the place, because no one is generating any real interest, therefore, any real affection and warmth. And whatever that situation it is, each one of us to, needs to look at that, to be aware of our participation in that. So, when, so the outer life is a life of awareness, and that awareness expresses itself through, through affection, through uh, an alive interest in the world, which is around us. Inwardly, the inner life, the life of, life of meditation, of course, is one of the elements which 
contributes towards our outer situation. And uh, again, what, what, again what, what happens so easily and quickly, we become, neg- become negligent. And it's all very well people saying, yes, meditation is, all, is, is very good and I need to do more and, and it's no use drifting, I need to be more centered, etc, etc. <coughs> and, and, and also saying, well, meditation is, I found, that's really helpful, that really does get me down to earth, here and now, etc. But it must be through its application. Because all too easily it becomes the, the willingness and the self-knowledge can end up as thought. And that very, very easily, very easily happens in, in, in the course of a retreat. One may, one may come to some realization in oneself that, so we say, meditation or some particular a- action or whatever is a necessity. And one has some, some realization about that, some insight about that. And, and then a little while later it begins to dissipate and one ends up with just a memory of that realization. One then ends up with just the thought of it. And then the thought drifts away and other thoughts, and other thoughts ca- come in. So it, it's not only the awareness and, and a certain insight, but it's also using that as a basis of action. And that action may be to apply, to bring in greater meditation in, in one's life. And some of us have um, much faith in, in, in meditation as an approach, have found it personally very, 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 very useful and, and me- meaningful and that um, can be through both the group situation, the group, the group retreat situation, which is one of the ways that the Dharma is being transmitted, and also through the personal retreats. And both of them are equally valid. One is not more important than the other. Initially, of course, group retreat is, is, is helpful and important. But care and attention for one's own inner development needs to be given consideration too. To, free, to find time, I mean, whether it's to do at least do one meditation retreat in, in the year, and I'm not saying that just to keep us employed, <laughs> um, and also to fi- find time to do a per- per- personal retreat, and that is also not to keep our house functioning in Salisbury. <laughs> <laughs> Though it might well be, <laughs> and 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 again, if the opportunity and the facility facility is there, it is um, really to make use of it. I mean, very easily it happens that there's this sudden out outflow of energy and interest at the beginning, and then it begins to dissipate. I mean, a, g- a good illustration of, of this is that we go to a center in, um, um, in, Mas- in Massachusetts twice a year, which is a, um, a first-class facility of offering the really marvelous, marvelous and quite special opportunity 
for people to engage in meditation practice. And, and, it's, and it's run on the minimal cost at the center they can do it, the staff are, the staff are unpaid, and, and it provides a, a, a first-class setting for meditation. They have, over the years, so I think, I'm not, I think I'm writing saying something like 5,000 people on the mailing list. At some of the retreats in the springtime, one of the teachers who came, came there had less than 15 people participating in her retreat. And there's been a, a, a noticeable drop-off th this year. And to, to me that is tragic. It's tragic that that, hap that, that happens be because A, the facility is there and, and, and isn't, being, isn't being used, and how easy it is that the energy is there, the enthusiasm, and getting high on something, but there's no staying, staying power. And such places, if they're not, not used, they can't, they can't run. And so, in one's action, even say by participating in, say, a personal retreat, or in a group retreat, it hopefully contributes to one's own welfare and development. It also, simultaneously, makes it possible for other people to go on participating. It encourages other people to, part to participate. And, um, and, it and it ensures that the, that the retreat atmosphere, which is the most useful vehicle for transmission, is sustained. So by one's participation, one is con helping useful for oneself and useful for others. And sometimes, again, we're often simply not aware of that important fact in, um, in what we are doing. And it is certainly, and it's the same story in the, in the, in the, in the East, if I, may also, if I may say. There were just a handful of monks in the East, in Thailand and um, some of these other countries, who were seriously practicing. And the great, great majority had just declined into study and ritual and s ceremony and rules and so forth. And those few monks and uh, nuns who sustained their practice and then began teaching ensured the real continuity for people of meditation and awareness and insight and realization. So our activity it really contributes to all our welfare, and particularly with dharma and awareness, it is not based on some kind of belief system. It is utterly immoral to convert people to anything. It is utterly immoral to make, to make people think and, and uh, believe in, in a certain way. In other words, love in life and affection in life and awareness in life has its own inherent value. And it doesn't require anybody to become, to join some ism in any way. It has, tr it has value and truth for itself. And therefore the, con the concern with names and, and cults and isms and so forth has, uh, has no place whatsoever. 
So, so we look in, 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 our, in our daily life situation with regard to our mind and its movement and its expression, looking carefully at that, seeing that's a major area of life, our relationship to others. There's also the whole area of meditation, group, personal, and, and of course the value of, um, of daily meditation, which is again is hard to, to maintain, sometimes requires at least some kind of contact with like-minded people. Sometimes it may just be in a form of one a, a group sitting once a week or whatever, maybe through, through some practice and through listening to uh, talks by a, a wide range of different teachers who have different approaches to the Dharma, all, all of which contributes to the, 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 the genuine development of the human being. And again, the other, other areas too in life, which as terms of often present problems and, and difficulties, and one which I've noticed is, is um, again, quite, quite, quite common, and that is for some, some people, sometimes men, sometimes um, w women, there is a view in partly because of tradition, partly because of actualities, that ones that in order that there can be further inner development, there has to be some kind of sacrifice, shall we say, of personal relationship. But somehow this question seems to come up quite either said or implied that there's some kind of some for some a conflict between between the two. And sometimes, in some cases, for some people, a number of people that I uh, have spoken to with regard to this, the feeling that, that one denies the other. Now, in some cases, this is a fact. I, th I think there's no point in making any uh, um, issue, kind of bones, bones about it, meaning that for, for, some, for some people, that the area of personal rela relationship is so demanding that it hinders development, inner development. And that the two, in certain periods of a person's life, are, don't go well together at all. And this, this, this I have noticed in, in, in contact with some different people. And in other words, that person may be, may be single, and they feel, oh, I only, and everything and this person is saying is, oh, I want to be in a relationship, and yet the real, the real need is for further inner development, and for that period in that person's life, relationship and further inner development isn't going to work. And there are other cases and other areas too where, where, the, where the situation is, is quite different the situation where there is a relationship and a relationship which is genuinely affectionate is one which genuinely wishes to see both the friend or partner, whatever one may call, and oneself in development. And that, that type and form of relationship is, is, 
is a very beautiful relationship. I mean, if they give you, uh, let me give you an example. We have two friends and who have been engaged in Dharma and practice for, for some time and quite regularly, quite frequently, one of them would cook while, and look after while the other one did a week retreat or a two-week retreat and the other would take care that all of those persons need. And then the other one, that one would come out of retreat, the other would go into retreat and then he or she would take care of that person's needs. And that was an aspect of their, of their relationship. And that is something very fine. That is something very beautiful when there is that kind of caring in relationship. And there's something, and that is an, uh, an open, uh, one expression of an open and full relationship. If one person wishes to do enter into a retreat, go into a re- retreat, the other person may not may feel a little bit uncomfortable about it. May feel, well, I mean, either children or I, 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 I it's going to be difficult because of the finance or whatever. But the other person can say, if you want to do that at this time, that is fine, because one sees that this is what this person, what one's friend, what one's partner needs at this time. And now, now there is something genuine taking and, and uh, taking place there when both have that openness and can give the space to each other. And it's and, and it's lovely to see that in this in this room there are s- several examples of that happening. And so, and so again, this a- area of relationship. relationship and the, and the acceptance of the need of, of the other sometimes mean, means that one denies or neglects one's own. One would rather be in the company of that person. So all of, the, all, all of this is part of a meaning, I would say, a meaningful relationship between two people. <coughs> now, again in this, in this area of of, of relationship, of course, there are many, there are many, many other aspects of, of it, and in in a a person to person relationship, despite what contemporary thinking goes along the lines that we should be free to have extra relationships and uh, and so on and so forth, um, to me, in in my my observation with regard to people and people including including myself, this is all part of romantic, fanciful, idealistic and therefore utterly nonsensical thinking. Meaning that where there is two people in relationship, the interference in that couple's relationship is invariably some form of oppression and exploitation, but equally as important in this area, that in, if there is a relationship between two people, that's, how to say, the singularity of that relationship means that it uh, is a kind of assurance for the two people or a guard against jealousy, forms of jealousy and anxiety. If one person in the, that couple is pursuing extra extra relationship, it invariably engenders or encourages forms of jealousy and anxiety. And anybody who's had those mind states knows how painful they are, how terribly painful they are. 
and it's just extraordinary what people do to each other in this area the insensitivity at work what women do to each other when a woman is after the man who's in a relationship what men do to the other man when he's after the woman who's in a relationship and anyway as I say anyone who knows there's no jealousy and anxiety knows how pervasive and painful it is and for this reason this pursuit of, of, of indifference to relationship needs to be watched for again in these this conversation this uh, conversational talk whatever <laughs> inevitably ends up at about the most everyone's feeling light and bright and it, and it ends up at about the most serious of all the talks on a retreat oh um, in, in, so one is looking really, as it were, again, an overall or an overview of one's life situation and seeing the primary areas of one's life with regard to relationship and communication, with, with regard to, to meditation, with regard to the genuine learning from our experience, with regard to the value of being in the company of like-minded people. And so one takes the fullness of that without having any particular models or whatever and sees and looks directly and carefully at what can one bring into one's life that will be valid and useful. That is an important factor and element to come away with too in, in, and helpful in a meditation retreat. What in my life, what sort of, what, what do I need to give more care and consideration to? What in my life am I neglecting, overlooking? Whatever it may be. It may be to, to look at more carefully one personal problem and to see and, and to learn to be with that and to learn from that whatever it may be it may, may be with regard to situation how we are with other people it may be with regard to our meditation practice and the cultivation of it or the lack of it but to, to, see, to see those areas where we can develop and use and use as a growing experience And through that, if that is approached, sometimes systematically, sometimes with a certain strategy, sometimes without any of those two, and if we really bring that greater care and awareness into our daily life, it will show itself, as it always does, in the meditation retreat, the benefit of it. And I've noticed again and again, people who are stagnating it's because their daily life situation is not really being taken care of, it's being neglected. And so if the, 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 the balance of one um, and the clarity with one, again, bringing that in, one finds it here in the, in the retreat situation. And then the, these two, as it were, which seem so sometimes so different from each other, actually begin to complement each other. Of course, so, so often it happens, people say, well, now we've done the retreat, now we go back into the real world. 
having just left left it four weeks ago and come into the un, un, unreal world. One might look at it sometimes, some people and some of us have looked at it in the reverse. This is the reality because there's something honest going on that one is looking at something and out there it is quite unreal. <laughs> and so this, as it were, the group therapy situ- situation, the original group therapy si- situation is one within the scope of our life. Not something isolated or separated, how can it be? Belonging to our life, which we're bringing into our life for our own welfare and for the welfare of others. Having its key, having its foundation in awareness. May all beings see into themselves. May all beings live with a full relationship to life. May all beings abide in openness.